What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Kicking It. Jesse Marsh, it is good to have you with us. A coach, finally, in the house. Leeds United, RB Leipzig, RB Salzburg, former US men's national team assistant coach. Uh, it's a lengthy list of accolades, and you've come all the way in from Italy, right? Yes, that's Where right. you're living with si. your family? Si. Si, um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I live there, actually. Um, I have three children. They're all out of the house now, so it's actually my wife and I all alone. Okay, empty nesters. Yeah, so. Why did, why did you want to be in Italy? So we wanted to be in Europe because I think that's kind of where our lives are now. And my wife received Italian citizenship in the spring. So that means, you know, we can get a house, we can stay there, we can have health care, so can our children. And was that um, done with the intention of looking at, okay, pr professionally, you particularly want to be based in Europe and looking at work in European leagues? Yeah, I think so. And, and also that our children, I think, want to stay in Europe and, and want to pursue a, life, a lifestyle there. So, you know, we went over now in 2018. So that's, you know, a little over five years. Mm -hmm. and, and we've enjoyed the time. And, and I think everybody's kind of into that kind of lifestyle. And so we like coming back to the States and seeing our friends and family and everything. But we're enjoying our time there. Did you relocate family with all of those different jobs, though? Leipzig, Leeds, everywhere? Yes, and that's probably the toughest part of right. not being able to hold a job long enough. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the kids are always having oh, to, man. you know, experience new things, right. and, but they've done great. Um, you know, when we left Germany, we left our daughter there to finish high school by herself. When we left Austria, we left our son there to finish high school by himself. So it's also... Just so you didn't disrupt that. Yeah, That's to give them though, a little bit of stability. Okay. Yes, and now our son is still in Leeds going to school. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's always been a little bit early for us to, to see our children leave the house. Uh -huh. But it's been what's best for them, no question. So that part's... That part's, and I think, rewarding in terms of languages and culture and experiences and friends and all these things, I think that part, the personal part of, of this experience has been amazing for our family. You need to start picking different cities, though, they, they, like Paris, Barcelona. Yes. Leeds and Leipzig doesn't have quite the no. same ring to it. No, and you always have to fly or drive or, you know, it's not so easy. <laughs> and I would... I mean, yeah, Barcelona would be amazing. You're available. To coach. <laughs> no, to live in more. I'm not referencing as, as a coach, but uh -huh. yeah. yeah. I think that's why the whole coach, the idea of coaching was such a turnoff to me. It's because you're, you're at the mercy of the opportunity. So if you have to go to Leipzig or you have to go to, to Leeds, not so much, but a smaller city in Europe or a smaller yeah. city in America and move your family all over, that just... I think wasn't appealing to me, and certainly not to my wife. So I, I felt like that. <laughs> you was think you would have been a good coach? Yeah. Okay. I think Charlie would have been a good coach. Would you? You still can coach. Yeah, you him. still can, Charlie. Hey, don't give up, man. Yeah, you still can. <laughs> <laughs> you think Clint would be a good coach? I don't know. Hell no. I don't know. Y'all saw my team get whooped in TST, man. <laughs> How far back do you guys go? Well, yeah, we all have our own little history. I think we played against each other. In yeah, I'm trying to think. So we played against mm -hmm. all three of us. We've played against four of us. We've played against each other. I've played once with the national team with you, I believe, and once with you. But Mo, I don't think we ever. I don't did. think no. And then I think I coached you all yeah. at some time or another, right? So I've kind of seen it all. Yeah. I mean. We used to always talk shit to yeah, each other. Yeah, our, our history's funny, field. Kate, because he's always, he's we hated yapping. each other. Jesse's mouthy on the field. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he always talks. You ever seen the clips? <laughs> no. 
Listen, I wasn't always the most liked, for sure, because I didn't want to. I didn't want to be friends with the the opponent. That was not my style. Like I wanted to win, right? And Clint and I specifically, because I had to. I had to deal with him a lot. He would get the ball, and I had to kick him, right? And I had to stop him. And so we had, I think, a little bit of an aggressive relationship. Mm-hmm. But then we went to a national team camp together, yeah. and I actually was a little nervous, like. You know, oh, Clint's coming in. What's this going to be like? And actually, after the week, I thought we wound up being good friends and we yeah. were on the team team together. It was love-hate. Yeah, we wound up. <laughs> I, we really liked each other. It was crazy, crazy, honestly. At the end of the week, I was like, I love Clint Dempsey. Like, this was a lot of fun, man. So so how does that, that personality, though, like translate now to coaching? You know, you went from being a player who, like you said, you didn't care about if players, yeah. if the, the opposing player liked you. Like, how does that shape your mentality now when you go to coach a team? It's a good question, and, and I've shifted a lot, almost 180, because if you only care about winning as a coach, you will fail, right? I think I, I've learned to be a lot more about development, about relationships. I think I've, I've now, um, in my career, done a lot of coaching young players and developing young players. So if you're focusing just on winning and not on as much what it takes to develop players, to invest in them, to help them understand how to grow, then you're not going to be successful. But in the end, it's still the same outcome that I'm trying to create, which the byproduct, I think, of focusing on the environment and relationships and development is winning. Okay. So it's just a little bit di- different way of skinning the cat or, or getting to the end result. But that wasn't your thought process when you started coaching. Like, what would you think when you began this journey where you're like, it's all about winning. Like, how did you position yourself coming into the game as a coach? What was your idea at that point? I think when I was a player, I was known as being the leader in the team, one of the intelligent guys, that I was good at maximizing the potential of my teammates and understanding how to motivate them and work with them. And I thought, all right, I, I, that's a natural then transition into being a coach. Um, however, the relationship changes right? You're not there as a teammate. You're more there as a mentor. And, and when I was an assistant with the national team, I always tried to understand what Bob was trying to achieve and, and try to execute the plan, but also be one of the guys that could go and have meaningful conversations with the players about, you know, how I thought they could do better tactically, how I thought they could be better within the team, how I thought they could come out of their shell a little bit, what things I thought they needed to do to try to show to Bob that they were ready to to, to perform at the highest levels and, and try to be a conduit, right? And then once I became a head coach, I think the biggest struggle I had then was I was trying to be Bob, right? And I had to kind of learn how to be myself and, and really learn what that meant. And that took some time, but I, I think I've been able to kind of get there. But do you think, do you think that's because it's like, I mean, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. This is kind of how I felt as a player is like, if you're going to do something, you have to learn to adapt, take what the coach has to say. But when you go out there and if you're not playing what's true to yourself or the style that you love to play, you're not going to enjoy it as much. And my mentality was kind of like, well, shit, if I'm going to fail, you know, I would rather fail being who I am than to try to be someone that I'm yeah. not, you know, so right much. On. So it's like, so you'll know it, you kind of make it or break it on your own terms. Yeah. Is, is it, was that kind of the mentality as a coach? Yes. And... Like, listen, I was ta- I've watched you guys a little bit now, and even in the media, and I was saying to you, Clint, that I wasn't sure that going into the media was going to be the best thing for you, but I think you've done a really good job. And at the core of it is because I think you've been yourself, 
right? And you said in the beginning you were a little nervous and you were trying to find your ground. I think this is normal in anything that you do, that you have a vision of maybe what you think you should be, but then as you go through it, you're starting to uncover exactly who you are. What was it that you worried about with Clint? <laughs> Why are you shaking your head like that? <laughs> Get, getting canceled? <laughs> I thought Mo was Stephen A. Smith when he was going. <laughs> well, you were just I mean, sorry, you were just describing. I mean, life in Italy. Like, what's what, on a day? Your typical day in Italy. Like, what's your what's your running through your day? Yeah. So, um, I wake up. I have a, a pretty big garden. Okay. So, and this is something I like to do, even when I'm what a man. What are you growing? A manager. I liked on match day to like get in the garden because I don't think as much. So I have 79 olive trees on wow. my. So they have gardening too. All right. All right. Nice. Hey, right. what do you agree? You see we'll do it. A, let's do another podcast. Have a garden. We'll do a gardening <laughs> podcast. The Green Thumb. <laughs> I bet the ratings are gonna be off, off the charts. <laughs> it's like delicious in Montana. Live. When you were an assistant with the World Cup team in 2010, is there a conversation that comes to mind of you having those one-on-ones that you thought, man, I really helped that player come out of his shell, or I really helped that player take the next step? Like, was there one that really resonates with you? Before I answer that, why don't you guys give your versions of what you thought when I was an assistant with the National I was going to ask you a question, actually, about 2010, actually, now, since we brought it up. I mean, how do I ask this question? I'm curious. uh, (laughs) I'm curious. So when you guys are making a lineup, (laughs) what what goes into making a lineup? Why do you ask that? Mo wants to know why you didn't pick him. Don't have to answer my question first. I'm just curious. Are you you asking that because you weren't in a lineup? (laughs) 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 I just thought, you know, know, we win the game against Algeria. Everything's great. And then I thought, hey, what? The lineup's probably going to be the same lineup against Ghana. And then it wasn't the same. And then we took you out. Like, hell, they changing me if I'm in a winning team. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that we liked all three of you guys, right? Mm-hmm. So that would have been Jose, you, Rico, Rico, and Torres. Um, and the beauty of the three of you, I think, were that you each provided a little something different. Going back on it, yeah, I mean, you came in the Slovenia game, changed the game. You, you, you played in the Algeria game, we won the game. So I think maybe we got that one wrong by putting Rico in the lineup. Um, and not not keeping you in. No, I'm not saying you're gonna. No, no, but I'm just but saying. I'm just, but I'm just, when was, we're going so through, you gotta it, take I think out we Rico were trying to. Uh, stop. We were trying to analyze what what the game was going to require, and 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 that was probably the one position that was a little bit up for grabs yeah. with that team, right? Did you play yeah. a little bit with striker, player? right? Because Charlie got had had the accident, right? Um, and we kind of did the same a little bit, where maybe we shifted around a little too much, but but I thought. You know, and and it was our job as assistants, and this is, I think, one of the reasons why Bob brought me on the staff late, because he knew I would say what I think, because we had that kind of relationship, um, to to help, I think, with the connection between the staff and the players, and then also to say what I thought about what was happening. And then then I always felt like as an assistant, you say what you think, and then it's up to the head coach to decide what to do, and then you go go all in. So that's what I always tried to do. I think it's a tricky role, honestly speaking. 
Because you, you don't want to overstep yourself either. Well, to, assistant. Yeah, assistant coach, but in his in his case particularly, like, what? It wasn't long prior to that that we were playing against each other. You know what I mean? So I think it's a tricky scenario to walk into because to command you've just been, yes. yeah, right. you've just been playing against these guys, and now you're in a position where it's like, you want to earn the respect of the players in a different role, in a different capacity, but at the same time, you want to make sure that you're impressing the manager and earning his trust and, and operating under that guidance the same way, if that makes sense. Mm. So you're trying, to, you're trying to manage two different things, right? Yeah. Did you I'm feel like they gave you that respect? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I cared most about trying to just help the team be successful. Yeah. Because I knew that was what was going to be best for Bob, and I knew that was going to be best for you guys and for all of us. You know, sometimes I maybe had a conversation with a player that maybe Bob wouldn't have wanted me to have, you know? Um, like what? Like, for example, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> One comes to mind for sure is um, with Michael. Like, you know, one time I went to Michael and said, hey, the guys obviously like and respect you, but maybe if you go out with it, go out with the guys one night, maybe go have a beer with the guys or like, you know, hang out with the guys a little bit and show them that as much as you want some things to be more structured and professional and, and more the way you want, that you're also willing to accept some of the things that the guys like and that, you know, that like kind of meeting them halfway. And Michael was so pissed at me. Was he really? <laughs> he That's was, crazy. he goes, he said, I mean, you don't have to drink, but go out, hang out. He said, well, he said, you know, what, what does drinking a beer have anything to do with it? And I said, okay, I understand. And then he said, and why can't people accept me and understand me for who I am and that it has nothing to do with me being the coach's son and this is just the way that I am and the way that I think. And I, and I respected that and I understood that. And I said, listen, he was, he was, it was a lot different uh, yeah, temperature to that <laughs> conversation, <laughs> but you know, I mean, we knew each other well, and we respected each other. And, and at the end, um, I said, okay, listen, just think about it. I said, I'm not, you know, I understand that maybe I didn't help. I'm just trying to do the best I can to connect this whole thing in, in a way to make everybody stronger and more together. And, and I, never he knew that. I never knew that happened. And he came up to me and he said, listen, I really appreciate, later, like the next day, I really appreciate you coming to me and being open with me, and I hope you understand where I was coming from. And I said, yeah, abs absolutely, I get it. I, I always respected Michael, and I, I know you guys did too, right? And it was always a challenge being the coach's son on the national team, right? And it was a, it, it was a challenge for, for a lot of different reasons, but I always respected the professionalism and the work ethic and, mm -hmm. and the person that Michael was, and, and even obviously Bob, and and I think we all did, and just trying to connect the dots a little bit more so that it all kind of more seamlessly fit so that everyone really felt as strong together as possible. That was my, that was my end goal, period. When, when I look at this team now, the current U.S. team, and I go back to that 2010 team, we got to the Confederations Cup Final in 2009, don't you feel that it wasn't so much the talent to get to a World Cup Final, for instance, in that 2010 group? The, the pieces were there, just a, obviously the ball didn't bounce the right way. There's a couple injuries that could have probably made a difference, but that we're, we're not that far away from, from getting to a semifinal in a World Cup. Well, you, you know, I would even go back to the 2002 team, which is more my era, right? And you could see the togetherness of the team. And then in 2010, even in the, the lead up, we did, 
We had Bill Walton come speak to the team. We had the helicopter pilot, Dan Gelata from Black Hawk Down. We, we watched um, Road to Redemption. We watched Lazio Donnelly. Like we did a lot of things about team spirit and making sure that the team was fully united. And I still think when you look at our national team that that has to be the hallmark and the cornerstone of who we are and how we do things. And that's our X factor. What, but isn't that just kind of like motivational hype? Yes, it is. But like, the, the, it Why would that for be me, it wasn't an accident that we came back against Slovenia. It wasn't an accident that we scored in the last second against Algeria. These, this was built into our DNA, right? And, and again, this was before Confederations Cup, and the, the team really came together in such a strong way. It's about belief for you. Grittiness, belief, this is, this is, again, this is our, as Americans, this is our X factor because we're not as good as the other nations, the best nations, we're not. So we have to maximize exactly who we are and that's what it is to me. Of course, can we advance tactically and can we, can we develop players the right way and can we move the game along, but can we never lose that Americanness? That for me is so important. Do, do we have that right now? If I, when I talk to Tyler Adams, I think that this group really enjoys being together. They, they get along really well. They've been, you know, they've kind of all grown up together, at least eight or nine or 10 of them within the core of the team. They've been together since they were 15, 16, 17. So they are close knit friends. But the only thing when I look at it, this is from afar, is that there is such a emphasis on the soccer and the tactical and the, the, the direction of how are we gonna play the game that I just, the, the one thing that I, I, I wanna always see is that, that real belief and core grittiness to do whatever it takes to fight, to run, to, to go after the game in every way possible, I think like the, the, some of the other generations have done. But at the same time, they're, I think they've achieved some good things relative to what they sure. what their experience has been for sure right the fact that they've i know we've for for so long always just measured us against mexico and we've kind of surpassed them and i agree that the measuring stick should be higher now the bar has been raised but given the schedule that's at our disposal the next real test to see where this group is but, but also but also you think about it concacaf nations league they're on u.s soil this copa america is going to be on u.s soil and then the world cup's going to be on u.s soil so it's like you're not really in can be put in a better situation to be to to succeed because it's, it's going to be a you know little bit of an advantage even though that no home game is a true home game being in the states it's still like something you're comfortable with and you're put in, in, a, in a good situation. So yes, they did a great job in, in the World Cup, but it's like, what have you done for me lately? So you look towards what's coming up in the summer and that's <laughs> gonna be a big measuring stick of, I think of what, what they're gonna decide to do with what the future of the US team is. It's very Alexi Lawless of you. <laughs> what? What have you done for oh, me yeah, lately? I shouldn't have done that, but. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Lexi. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and I, you know, there aren't many chances to have Germany, England, these types, of, and we had, a, we had a home match against Germany, yeah. and we fell flat. We fell flat, which was really disappointing, right? And this was around the time when I made the signature win comment, because, by the way, it was a bad Germany, right? They hadn't been performing well, they had just fired their coach. It was an opportunity to have one of these wins to say, yeah, look, against a big European nation now, we can win, and we're not, we're, we're not quite there yet. So when you go into these different environments, right, like you go into Leipzig and then obviously Leeds as well, I'm curious, 
from the outside looking in, there's so much talk about, oh, being an American coach, yada, yada, yada. How was, like, that first week, first month, in terms of how you're received by the players and the community, the club itself? Well, internally, it's always been about what's the work like? You know, what are the relationships like? You know, I mean, on one level as a manager, you're on trial in front of the players every day with every single thing you do. You know, we all know what it's like to be a, a player and sit and watch the coach, and whether it's the first impression or the last impression, right? Every day you're sitting there and going, okay. Am what, I learning what? something? Yeah. This guy know yeah. what he's talking is about. Is it How's enjoyable? He, yeah. yeah. Is it enjoyable Is it enjoyable? Too? How does he handle tough moments? Yeah. Is he... Is he going to point fingers? Is he going to unite us? Is he going to be a, an example of everything we want to be? Or is he going to lead us a different way? I can tell you, at Leeds specifically, right? I could talk about New York. I could talk about Salzburg. Um, even, even Leipzig. I, I enjoyed the work with the players, right? Um, but, it, you know, I, I feel lucky specifically with New York, Salzburg, and Leeds to have, like, almost caught lightning in a bottle three times where, like, internally the work was so strong and the commitment was so great. And, and just the reality of Leeds in general is when you're a relegation-type club, the margin of error is so razor-thin that the smallest things can mean the difference between incredible success or incredible failure. Do you feel bitter about how it ended with Leeds? I just was heartbroken. I wouldn't say bitter. I was, like, heartbroken, you know, because I loved the team and the people inside the club. I, I really felt like we were united, we were together, we were moving in the right direction. And it was, I, I couldn't, I never even went and said goodbye to the team because I, I couldn't. I would have just been bawling and, and I don't like putting myself in that situation. I probably, as a coach, grew the most at Leeds. You know, really. I mean, because, I mean, New York was the first time I really established myself, but, like, the challenges every week of being in the Prem when you're a team like Leeds United, I mean, it's... Is it addictive in some way, though? Yes, it's, it's, it's controlling. It controls your entire mind, right? And so I don't know... I don't know that I'm addicted to that stress. You know, like I've enjoyed this downtime and I, it's helped me rethink, recharge, re-motivate and, and I think uh, create a new direction. It's not so, so bad you, over here, is it? Have you, <laughs> but you addicted, hey, you're, hey, it's not so bad over yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, I still, I feel there's like water that, in here. I, I feel like that, a little something different. <laughs> that adrenaline though. I still, I was fortunate to, to find Leeds as a place for me, you know, and it's not easy. Yeah. And I'm hopeful to find, you know, one of the reasons I've been waiting and saying no to some clubs is that I believe that I can be successful in the Prem and I believe that, that I was already successful in the Prem. How right? long are you willing to wait? Good question. I had a couple of, of serious conversations and, and in the end I just didn't feel it was right. So, you were able to say with whom? No. Okay. <laughs> um, Secrets and it wasn't in friends, the prem, man. by the way. It wasn't in the prem. Uh -huh. It was, you know, but my point, the, the, I'm answering that question by saying I'm, I'm also open to other ideas, you know, but I want, I want it to be at a high level. I want to be competing for Champions League. I want to, you know, I still want it to, to be something that engages me and challenges me. Has your career surprised you? Where you have gotten to, what you have managed to achieve on an international level? Yeah. Coming from that background of the, the, the American coach. Did, was this on your vision board? Did you see any no. of this happening? Champions I mean, League football, all of that? Kate, more so is I, I'm from Wisconsin, right? Okay. You know, and like, people don't leave. There's not a lot of soccer, 
in, in our state. There's some, and, and I had really good coaches and, and good teammates, and I was able through that to, to establish myself at different levels. And I met Bob, and you know, I've, been, I've, I've, I've worked for it, but I've had some luck along the way and, and taken advantage of certain opportunities um, and grown. But what have I ever thought I would have been a, you know, when, when I was a young player at DC United, did I ever think, yeah, I'm going to be coaching in Champions League someday or I'm going to be coaching in the Premier League? Hell no. Mm. You know, hell no. But obviously all our realities change as we evolve and adapt. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure you guys would all say the same in different ways and where you grew up and what you went through. But it's kind of the beauty of the American soccer player is none of us are born superstars. You know, we're at least our generations. We all kind of had to, to work through it and play other sports often, and then somehow through it all, find soccer as our, our pathway. And so I went to Germany, I learned German in a year and a half. You know, I, uh, and then when I went to Leeds, I tried to adapt in every way there. So I said pitch, and I said boots, and I said, you know, I mean, you know what this is. And like, at some points I've said, yeah, it's, it's a little bit silly that we have to adapt the way we adapt, but you have to, right? And, and by the way, I had to do this at Princeton when I went to Princeton. And I had to, when I went to Chivas USA, I, I, I learned Spanish and I had to adapt to Mexican football culture and, and I loved it. You know, it's, it's kind of the beauty of, of being involved in our sport is this, the global idea of what football is. You know, I've coached players from 72 countries. It's amazing. Like, but you have to know a little bit what it's like to coach an Asian player, an African player, a Russian player, an English player, an Argentinian. Like, you can't just draw complete stereotypes, but you have to understand certain cultural, you know, whatever um, guideposts yeah. And yeah, that, that, that relate to who the people are and how they deal with specifically difficulty and challenges and communication, right? And that part I love, you know? So, in some ways, you have to be a chameleon, but you always, because you have to adapt to all the surroundings that you're in, but you have to make sure that you stay true to yourself. That is, I think, getting that balance right is, for a leader, is massively important. What are you most proud of so far? I'd say probably my family, you know, because they went and have adapted with me and, and accepted the challenges and risen to the challenges and... I'm like gonna get emotional here. Um, because that's, you know, as a father, what you do is so much more important than what you do as a coach for a team, right? Like that's our, that's our team, is our family and how we, how we deal with, you know, what my wife's had to go through, what my kids have had to go through. And, you know, again, from where my wife and I came from, Wisconsin, to then where we are now living in Italy, trying to learn Italian, you know, speaking with the, the little coffee shop on the corner and having an espresso and, and again, trying to adapt to the culture there, but be ourselves and enjoy it and, and go for our best lives, right? Like my kids have exemplified that entirely. And that's, that's probably what's most important to us and me. There's, there's always like the stigma or the conversation about American players and how they're viewed in Europe, whatever. Same thing happens with coaches. Yeah, yeah. From your experience now, having played, kind of to Charlie's point, having managed against different managers, European managers, South American managers, and then also knowing the managers that are being developed here in the States, 
stripping away their nationality, how do they actually compare? Like how far away are we as a, as a country in producing like top managers or, or are we that far? So I coached against Simeone, Flick, Klopp, Pep, Conte. Um, What's your record against them? Yeah, not great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, That's I mean. messed up, Kate. <laughs> she had I mean, to go, go there, go man. She had and, to go there. And they're all, they're all great, right? Um, and part of what makes them great is their experiences. And by the way, that's why I feel the Premier League is one of those leagues that for me, like I, I was thankful that I had a, a bit of a career behind me because by the time you get to the Prem, all the distractions and energy around actually just getting to coach, the, understanding how to coach the team, you have to kind of be at ease with how all the distractions so that you can focus on exactly what's necessary. So now applying the American manager to that, like, we just, we don't have the experiences. The biggest obstacle is the UEFA license, right? And even now I'm talking with UEFA and with the LMA in England about trying to create more of an online platform. What I wanna do is I wanna help the next generation of American coaches have these opportunities because I feel like in order for the next or whatever, like, I would love it if even the next time I, I get into the Prem or whatever, the next job, if there are three coaches in the championship and maybe one coaching in Germany, one in Belgium, one in Spain with a, a little bit of Hispanic background and speaks. If we can just get more coaches over there to show that we have the ability to, to that, that we can learn, that we can do well, that we have something to us, it will make it easier for all of these coaches to then find success, just like when players went over there. How have you enjoyed watching Erling Haaland and his kind of path at Manchester City under Pep, a player that obviously you had at, at Salzburg? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I wasn't so excited for him to go to Man City because I felt like it would You thought he should have gone to United. You're Arsenal. United yes. Arsenal. Could have been good. Um, Erling is best in transition. Uh -huh. No question. He is, like, un unhuman. The way he can run and sprint and attack and and be in dynamic. And my biggest thing with playing for Man City is he it doesn't access that. He stands in the box. Mm -hmm. It's not so simple as he just stands in the box, but he can move around in the box and just be on the end of plays. And, and he scores still incredible goals, and he's so intelligent, and he knows how to find the game. So obviously, he's an incredible player, and he's, he's still developed and done an amazing job. But I, really, like, I don't know if you remember against Brighton when he shoulder dunk and dunk who's the biggest defender in the world just put him on his ass and then went and scored in transition like this is where Erling is another level but yeah I mean I'm happy for Erling and he's such a good person you, you talked about identifying the needs of the players that you coach what, what was his need as a player his need was to continue to be challenged like you know it was easy to see early on that he was a high-level player and and what I didn't want him to do was feel like he was outgrowing the team or being bored by the team. I wanted to keep giving him little bits of information as to how to continue to, to be effective in what we were trying to do and challenge him to do more. And then also identify how important it was for him to continue to commit to the team. And he was doing it so much so that he kept giving penalties away to other players. And, at some, and then we missed a couple penalties and then after the game, I called the team in a huddle and I said, guys, he's taking penalties from now on. 
but this is Erling. Were they all missing or what? Yeah, well, he, I mean, we had a lot of good players in the team, but Erling cared so much about the the camaraderie of the group. And like, you watch him with Man City, you see the same, right? Like, he loves the team atmosphere. And, and of course, this is, we are all, I mean, we're all kind of built like this, but he is at another level. Like, this is what, he loves to win and he loves to score goals, but he loves being on a team. What player have you most enjoyed coaching? Which player? Yeah. In general? Or, yeah, just in general. Or the type of player? Oh, okay, let's do both. The t I find the challenging players often more rewarding. Like, like Brendan, a almost anyone can coach Brendan. Challenging Aronson. in terms of character. Yes. Like a Clint Dempsey. <laughs> yeah. Come on, that he was said, easy. He to said deal with. yes. Anyone with an ego. No, 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 no. But, but you were easy. Let's like. To deal with. There are Just often, often, the most talented players are a bit ego driven. They're a bit self-focused, and they don't always, they're not as flexible in understanding everything that's happening within the team because they know they're the best player or the highest potential, and, and then helping that player understand exactly how to maximize their potential individually within a group setting, and then getting that, pushing those buttons right for that type of personality because they're often a little bit different, and the reward that you can get from Capturing that correctly is massive, right? And that's when you see real potential. This is why I say it's all encompassing. I feel like to do the job effectively, to be the kind of leader that I want to be, it requires a lot of energy. Any regrets? A little bit with Lester, a little bit. You know, there's some things that happen in the time period around that that I'm not gonna talk about, Kate. Um, but I just, Lester, and, and listen, I, the Southampton, I've had a lot of good discussions with a lot of clubs, but Lester for me, from the heart of the club and the, and the ownership, uh, the, the man named Top, the, the Thai man who owns it, to John Rutkin, and then what the club was, even though it was in a stressful situation of trying to stay in the Premier League at that time, I believe they, they were willing to make a long commitment to me, and I believe that the overall, um, vision of what the club is was fantastic. So, and the, by the way, the training ground, if you guys have ever been to it, it's like being on the moon. It's, it's gorgeous. Um, but at that I time- I would said Montana, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> being on the moon. Yeah, um, well, it's so modern and futuristic oh, okay. and like, okay. you know, it's, it's state of the art. And, uh, uh, I mean, you talking about we're something being gorgeous. I would have to the moon with all the craters in it. He and said all that. Montana. <laughs> How often do you pay attention to the media as a coach? I always wonder that. You know, you, you have to be aware of what the, the, the wave, you, you, can't, you can't really change. Um, I think it's important to stay true to exactly what you know is important, but you have to also understand how to message things specifically publicly so that you can control some of the, the how things are spoken. I feel like if you, yeah, I mean, we were all players, and the reality is, you were asking, does do coaches look at the media? Well, players, we sure as hell do. And like, if you open up the paper, well, I'm dating myself, but if you you're watching on social media or you're watching a clip on on the on TV, and the manager's calling you out, what you laughing at, man? Mo flicking through the paper. Yeah. <laughs> He's like this. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, it's so easy to lose trust. It's yes. so easy to lose to lose the locker room, to lose the dressing room if you do that. So like, 
Yeah, I mean, that's a no-brainer. What surprised me, well, though, when is... I, sorry, go sorry. ahead. Kate. Well, how frank you've been as, a, as an analyst on television, it doesn't seem that you've... Because obviously that's two different worlds, right? I'm going to protect the players and I'm going to keep everything in, inside the locker room and inside this group. And then when I shift to being a TV analyst, I'm just going to be honest and direct. Yeah. And I'm going to say it as I see it, even regarding certain players, players that one day you may have an opportunity to coach. But I don't think I've been unfair with any player, you know, that I've that I've You've been direct, about. though, I yeah. think. But I mean, I think... Uh, I mean, if you go to Champions League and, and you talk about Pulisic and, and Musa or, or when I've spoken about Weston or... So I that's think never felt like an uncomfortable balance for you? As an analyst, not really. And I, to but how do you feel when it's the flip side of that then and let's say an analyst will talk about you? Well, I, I'm very aware. Like of, a Charlie Davies or... Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Listen, Char Charlie said something to me one time and I yeah. called you. Yeah. Right? And what I just say? And I just said... I just, we had a good conversation. It I was said, a great listen, because I thought that what you had said wasn't totally fair, right? And so we had an open conversation, and I think at the end of it, I was happy with uh, your response. What did you say? I said, I didn't feel that Jesse was the right choice after Greg. If Greg was sacked or Greg moved on, I didn't think that Jesse was the right coach to take this group forward. Is what I said. Damn. But wait a minute. It was because of the style of play style and of because play. you thought we needed a European manager. Yeah. Those were the two things. Okay. And I then I called and I said, okay, let's walk through this a little bit, you know, and, and let's talk about my style of play and then let's talk about European managers versus an American manager and how that would have an impact on the group. But um, obviously we're all we're gonna have things said about us, right? And by the way, the players are used to it too. But and I'm, I was used to those things. But if, if there was a time where I thought a media or a journalist did say something, I would first try to go to them personally and say, okay, I see why you said that, but let me tell you how I see it, and then see what their reaction see, that's is. That's something you could give a lot of energy to, isn't it? Yeah, of course, but you have to. Why? You know, because you have to try to impact success in every way that you can, right? And for me, I knew that public perception was massively important and my, and my relationship with the media. Uh, so on the excuse me. Oh man, Hold it down. Hold it down. Who are you? Pam Squad. I got the black lung. So on the subject of TV, is that something that you could see yourself? Doing long, does that feel like an easier option perhaps once the energy for coaching is gone? Is it something that you could even see yourself doing now if the right opportunity doesn't arise? Maybe you transition to this long term? I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely a bit easier. It doesn't inspire you, huh? No, it's okay. I mean, um... This is our life, Jesse. Yeah, it's it's okay. I thought you was No idiot. judgment. No judgment, okay? Um, first, I... I my joke is that I was always told I have a face for radio, you know, so now doing TV is is maybe not necessarily. It's okay, Clint said. Yeah. Oh, Damn, man. My <laughs> word. That's not right, Clint. Yo. My mom's gonna be upset with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't, you know, I mean, listen, it's been fun. You know, we have, I think we have fun on the podcast, but. I think you really, to me, I've been shocked at how natural it's, it's come to you. I think you've, you've really taken well to it. You've been pretty honest. I, I, I've, been, I've been impressed. Yeah, I mean, thank you. Um, 
I, listen, I try, I, I like to have fun and have some good conversations and have a laugh and then try to hit some vital or important football topics in there if I can. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't, listen, I, no, I'm not trying to downplay it, but it is easier than obviously than, than coaching. <laughs> um, it's less stressful. Um, I don't, I don't, like we were asking about social media. I don't read anything about what anybody thinks about what I say. And whereas a coach, I feel a responsibility to be more on top of what's being said. So again, that's a little, I, I can, I, I go, I enjoy it. I appreciate you and Jimmy with what we're doing with the podcast. When I was doing some of the, the Champions League sideline stuff, you know, it was just a little bit here and there. And I know you guys are having a good time in the studio. So just trying to feed off of that energy and then. But basically once something better comes along, you'll be gone. <laughs> no, not necessarily. I don't, you know, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say that, I, I enjoy it. I do enjoy it. Uh -huh. I do. Um, you know. But you still like there's, you still feel like there's a little bit of unfinished business. A lot of unfinished business. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. You want to go do out there. Do you have a time limit? Like, I want to be out by the time I'm X. Yeah, like yesterday. No. Um, who are you going to gonna bring with you? You going to bring Charlie with you? I don't know. Char Charlie, you want to? <laughs> we, we've talked about it. I think down the line, I'd want to get into coaching. Because I can't oh. wait to light you up. With the <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hey. doing no interviews with you. I can't wait. What, what, I can't wait what, to what, try to get him a chance. What, what kind of coach would you be? I, I think my strengths as a, uh, as a manager would be building those relationships with the players, getting them to understand the bigger picture. I'd like to think that my life experiences, I could really mentor a lot of the guys. I'd want them to reach their dreams. I wouldn't hold them back if they have the ambition. I want them to have the Tactically, ambition. Tactically, how would you play? Tactically. Do you be, is that a head coach or assistant role that you're looking at, that you're describing? I'm talking about as a manager, the okay. head coach. OK, I'm just. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm, well, why, why, why would I have, well, asked, well, well, why would I have aspirations well, to be well. an assistant manager? You go over here. <laughs> Talking kit crazy, Kitman. Do you want to be a little kit man? You'd be a hell of a kit man. I'd be a hell of a kit man. Yeah, everybody fresh. Um, I think those, I see, hey, you're not lying. Like what he described there, that's okay. I think I've had I, kit man who been like that. I, I think <laughs> I see the game well, um, and the style of play I'd really be attack attack minded. The focus would be in in the attacking half of the field. I wouldn't what formation? Be where, yeah, wouldn't be like formation. What formation would you play? Um, three five two. Okay. This is a little bit off topic. I'm just curious, like, you've been in Europe for some time now. Is there a moment that stands out to you, like, an experience? You've met someone that you idolize, or just, like, have you had an experience away from the pitch that's, like, stood out that's made it kind of, like, all worth it for you? So I had three heroes growing up, okay? It was Maradona, Maldini, and Rudy Voller. Um, I've met Maldini quickly, never met Maradona, which is, that, that would have been a dream. Did you tell Maldini right? that he was an idol of yours? No, I didn't get to, it was just kind of like a hello. And, and then I had met with, uh, I, I grew friendly with Hansi Flick from my time in Germany. He's an amazing guy. And so, and his video assistant um, was a Red Bull, was with Red Bull, his name's Danny Roll. He's now the coach of Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, yeah. And um, so I asked to have a meeting with them just to talk about a few different things. So we met in London one time. And, you know, we were speaking German the whole meal. And, and then... They said to me at one point, uh, yeah, Rudy should be here soon. And I was like, Rudy Voller, you know? And, and they said, yeah. And so he rolled in and sat down, said hello, you know, pleasure to meet me. He had heard, heard about me and knew people in Red Bull. 
He has a very special German accent because he's from Bremen, and, and so, you know, even understanding him wasn't always the easiest, but, I mean, it was like a dream. Like, sitting there, having beers with him, talking about football. I was asking him about World Cup finals. I was asking him about playing with different players, and, all, and he loved it. And, and at one point, I was asking him about, like, the World Cup final in 84 and, or 86, and, and then and he said to me, man, why are you always bringing up the games we lost? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that was pretty awesome. You know, like meeting a childhood idol and then speaking in German, you know, with him about his experiences. It was pretty cool. Pretty cool. You feel attractive when you're speaking German? No, I feel like um, German. <laughs> Structured. <laughs> but I mean, it's interesting. That's one of the things about learning the language and ingra like embracing mm -hmm. yourself into the, ingratiating you yourself the into the culture. You understand people more because, yeah, once you, you speak the language. Yeah, yeah, I totally you, agree with that. Why don't you test Give him, give him, ah, give so him a German are... phrase. Let's see. Let's see how he handles it. Let's see how I handle it. No, to yeah. see how he handles it. Ich war acht Jahre lang in Deutschland. Give him, give him, give him something. Vier Jahre in Berlin, Berlin vier Jahre in München. Berlin in München. Ja. Sehr gut. Mhm. Hat mir sehr gefallen. Und warum? Äh, Erstmal zum Arbeiten. Also erstmal zum, um Deutsch zu lernen und dann danach, äh, ich habe im Fernsehen gearbeitet. Ah, okay. Auf Deutsch? Auf Deutsch moderiert. Ich habe ein bisschen in Sky oder in, Sky oder in Österreich auch in, in, in Deutsch. Ja? Ja, in Moderator. Oh, cool. Ja, es war okay. Es war, es war ja. Ich Einfach, sage mir, dass ich dich fragen sollte von den drei, welchen du dann mitnehmen würdest als Coach. Ja, von diese drei? Von die, ja, als Keine. Trainer. Keine. Keine? <lacht> ah, 1690! Hey, Jani, stop speaking that scheiße! Speaks very good German. Danke. Thanks, guys. Thank yeah. you. Uh, so, Jelani. Your German accent's better than your American one. Oh, damn. Oh, wow. damn. Jesse had to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you didn't check social media. There's no, way. no, I know this is a joke. But there's My no God. way you think oh, I sound American. Right. Do you think I sound American? No. No, seriously. No. I don't think I sound American. No. British people do. Yeah, maybe it's. Haters. All right, listen, we appreciate your time. We've taken a lot of your time. Thank you so much. It was, it was great to get to know you a little bit better. I felt like I didn't know you very well before. I appreciate okay. you. Thank you for coming right. awesome. Best of luck. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Thanks for having me, guys. Yes, sir. All right, my man. Nice to you, bro. Good to see you guys. Thank you. Going easy on me. I can, hey, I can be your assistant, okay. bro. I'm All just right. saying. <laughs> hey, 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 come on, guys. Stay back. Stay back. Oh, you thought it was like Messi. Did you see Messi? I straightened my hand. I got you, bro.